When people thought the Earth was flat, they were wrong. When people thought the Earth was spherical, they were wrong. But if you think that thinking the Earth is spherical is just as wrong as thinking the Earth is flat, then your view is wronger than both of them put together. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England, Matthew Russell and Chris Carney. Oh yeah, baby. Asimov. 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 Isaac. Isaac Asimov. What a legend, hey? Absolutely. Isaac Asimov. A lot of his writing is absolutely fantastic. I'm not I'm not massively into his sci-fi weirdly, although mm. there are some ep- epic sci-fi that he's done like the last question and things like that yeah. uh but um uh yeah this was from a, a something called the relativity of wrong yeah not to be confused with einstein's relativity of course <laughs> he didn't call it the <laughs> general, general relativity of wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah he generalized it <laughs> he generalized the relativity of wrong uh yeah spherical earth is wrong but it's yeah. not quite as wrong as thinking the earth is flat Right, it's quite yeah. it's quite it's quite a good science thing, isn't it? That that virtually all theorems at some point are going to be proved wrong, mm. like Newton's theories of motion really are slightly wrong. They've been proved wrong by Einstein, but they're yeah. not as wrong as like other things. Mm, so they're still right. So there is a relativity of wrong. That's actually quite a good nod towards our subject today because. Conspiracy theorists will often say that sort of thing, or or sort of hairy fairy types, you know, sort of ethereal, sort of spiritual types are always like, well, you know, it's just a theory, you know, and uh, you know, and I'm going to go with something completely different, and it's like, but yeah, that's the this is the best theory we have, and it's very robust, so (laughs) I'm sticking with that. It's the god of the gaps, isn't it? I I think if people think that because you don't know everything. Mm. Then it's likely that what you do know is wrong. And yeah. That's not quite. That's not quite right. I mean, there's an element of truth to that, but it's not quite right. As in, it's it, just because we haven't completely filled up the kind of slots of the knowledge of quantum theory doesn't mean that what we have at the moment is wrong because it's exactly. highly, highly, highly measured and and shown to be right for most of the time. So yeah, it's it's th- there is no gap for God to exist in there, for example. Or, I mean, David Lynch's book about catching the big fish is, is possibly the most annoying book I've ever read. And, <laughs> and David Lynch, is, as a filmmaker, is one of my absolute heroes. But that yeah. book is utter garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, basically it sort of says that the grand unified theory is somehow something to do with transcendental meditation. And oh, he's right. got there because of the gaps in our knowledge. And it's like, you can't just fill in the gaps of knowledge with woo. It's well, just ridiculous. Religious people have been doing that with God for years. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. Oh, well, what <laughs> I wanted to do, Chris, is, 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 is go through the entire history of how we know that the Earth isn't flat. I, I'm so excited to, 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 to get into this, like, without any shadow of a doubt. Why the Earth isn't flat. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like this because it kind of, you have to sort of take in the entire human journey to really get there because mm. ultimately it, it's amazing that humans have figured this out because if you start to think about how hard it is, if you don't have the knowledge that we have now, how hard it is to kind of even think about what these things are. Mm. So it is like a sort of human journey, isn't it, this, really? And, and, and I like to think that humans may be sort of in their present day form appeared about 300,000 years ago or thereabouts. It's about right, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. years. Yeah. And of course, that is an absolute blink of an eye in cosmic terms, right? Yeah. Really, only the past 100,000 years have you got like all these... Well, it, it took a, it took some time before you'd have until there's evidence that, that that humans had sort of abstract thinking and were able to plan things and understood symbolism and art and danced 
and played music and made tools. And it's all right, kind of over. around fires, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. I, I guess a little bit must be around free time as well. Just yeah. the time to actually sit there and and think. Yeah, yeah. I think that the fire brings the it brings the safety a little bit. It brings the ability to stop. It brings the obviously the nutrition from the food, but it also brings a sort of the first sort of community of sitting around something, of being around something, gathering. So mm. that's where you know. I think a lang- more language would have developed and, you know, actually, like, as as you say, sort of pointing up at something and going, what's that? But obviously not saying, what's that? But more like a... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it kind of, I mean, that is, I mean, I think it's quite funny when you on school trips and you see things like cave paintings, sometimes mm. it can be a bit boring, but, but I think it's because you don't realise exactly what they mean, that they mean that... that, that Back 40,000 years ago, for example, they, they think that there's cave paintings that show the procession of the equinoxes. Mm. Now, that is remarkable knowledge, as in really remarkable. I mean, it's something that the layman in the street now wouldn't know anything about or would even have a clue it was happening, i.e. the only way that humans could do that is this abstract thinking and, and symbolism and thinking over vast time periods like the 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 procession of the equinoxes by the way takes 26,000 years <laughs> oh okay right yeah but, so that, that definitely so, spans so, a few generations that one exactly but I mean you can notice it but you only really notice it over uh, over lifetimes mm. in other words this is this is you have to be deeply connected to the night sky and if it, the procession of the equinoxes, just in case you didn't know what it was, but basically the Earth obviously is spinning on its axis. Mm-hmm. But you know when you spin a gyroscope on a table and it starts to wobble and it will do that kind of slow circular motion? Yeah. So not only have you got the spinning axis, but the axis itself will actually kind of have a tiny circle of motion. Yeah. The Earth, the earth has that similar motion except it takes 26,000 years to do the entire circle. And as a result, obviously, the, the, the stars that you see at any time of day or any time of year actually shift. In other words, the equinoxes, the, or, or, you know, all the star signs actually change. So when, you, when you're expecting, like, Virgo to be in the summer equinox, it, it, it suddenly isn't, and Capricorn's there instead. You know, so, that, so, that, the, so those star signs are actually moving over thousands of years and they've actually noticed this 40,000 years ago or or there's evidence of it i mean it's not a slam dunk that one but no. certainly but certainly humans are tracking it they you know they they're tracking this idea that the stars are slowly changing i mean bear in mind they have no idea what stars are or what the earth is or that the earth is spherical or anything they don't know anything about it for them they're just tiny dots in the sky that are moving. They but they, they, a, they're doing it out of necessity, though. That's the important thing. That's why everyday Joe wouldn't know about it. Uh, and, you know, I didn't really understand what equinoxes are. But that's why every jo- everyday Joe and me don't understand it. But somebody back then would have been learning about it for necessity. There's a reason why it's important. Or it's, you know, it's, it's helping them in some way, do you think? Uh, well, it must do. I mean, I think that, you know, things like Stonehenge are pretty good evidence of how important the night sky is and tracking it. Yeah. Mainly because, of course, it, you know, there are certain times where you can go hunting for certain types of animal or certain types of crop are going to be available. Yeah. And if you keep a track of if you keep a track of the night sky, like like the obvious one is if if you can see the if you can see the Orion's belt in the UK you know that it's the kind of autumnal time. If you yeah. can see the summer triangle, you know it's summer. So if you can keep a track of the of the stars, you know roughly when it is. And if if you can then put a monument up so you can track it really accurately, then you can know the exact same bit of the year each year round. Yeah. And that must be very, very exciting. Essentially, they've got a clock, a very big clock that's, you know, not down to hours and minutes, but it is down to days. Yeah, and that has to be useful in terms of 
trying to keep a track of, you know, animal migration and vegetable growth and all those kind of, you know. Personally, things. like, I know it's a early, um, early winter when there's uh, Easter eggs in Asda. <laughs> exactly. So you are, you know, you're tracking... <laughs> You're tracking, <laughs> tracking time exactly in the same way that the ancients did. Exactly the same. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I mean, th- there's even evidence that they that they put in things like comet strikes and stuff like that into their cave paintings. Wow. Because they because they affected, you know, because they really affected their lives. You know, a, a comet strike, for example, that 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 may have actually affected food for for decades and generations and things like that so it would have been associated with with poverty or or change yeah and you think god yeah so they 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 are massively they know that their lives are you know intertwined with the stars yeah amazing absolutely amazing however the, the first proper evidence is hipparchus yes of Rhodes. And that's like 200 years BC. So we've shifted forward a fair amount here because, you know, you, you just haven't got a lot of evidence before then. But, you know, shift a bit of a shift forward, but not that far forward. It, a lot of it is the stuff isn't written down or we, yeah, haven't, exactly. found that, we haven't found that written evidence. So yeah. we d- really don't know how sophisticated the people were before the Greeks, <laughs> mm. really. And because um, even Hipparchus didn't write it down. It's only Ptolemy, a hundred years later, who basically wrote about Hipparchus's work. Yeah. And he explains the precession of the celestial sphere. And, you know, he actually literally uh, explains. He doesn't explain how it's happening. He just, he just says that it is, right? Yeah. And... The fact that 200 BC people can write about this this thing that takes 26,000 years that for pretty much 99% of people on Earth today simply don't have a clue about or find it hard to understand in the first place. Yeah. You know, that, you know the fact that humanity's got that deep connection and enough to, to sort of see that subtle effect, that that goes to show that, you know, it's. I think even. I even like for two hundred BC. I think it's incredible. Yeah, completely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely amazing. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it's. Uh, it's. 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 This uh, science. The the, the. the. Beautiful standard on the shoulders of giants. It starts very very far back. Yeah. Well, like you said, that there, there is a moment where the first human, like you know, just trying to stay alive, their universe would have just been the local environment, right? Just the field, yeah. just the just the savannah that we're on or just the jungle that they're in. And it's like, no, at some point, a, a human or a hominid maybe, even before, must have mm. looked up and gone, what what the hell is that at the yeah. moon, for yeah. example? And just gone, oh, is the moon playing a part in my life? And and that that really must be what separates humans from everyone else. I mean, do dolphins talk about the moon? Well, they said so long and thanks for the fish. Yeah. <laughs> Do dolphins ever think that the moon is affecting their lives? I don't know. But I don't I don't think they do. No, and I went to see an octopus in the in, in the museum the other day and it was just a wonderful sight. Uh it's brand new to the Liverpool to the World Museum. And I was just like this is just incredible, amazing intelligence creature. But I don't think it says why am I in this tank? <laughs> I still think it's like uh-huh. this is my life. Uh, feed me, you know. They they do amazing things. They can make, they can make you know structures, and they can make dens with with doors that close and things like that. But I don't think they say, "What's that?" or "Or why is this?" You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm pretty certain that octopuses and dolphins don't think about the moon no. and wonder what it is, and they certainly didn't notice precession. No, <laughs> you know no, I mean? no, no, they weren't there. They weren't. They weren't recording the equinoxes. No, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I guess the breakthrough in terms of like having to really take looking at the stars seriously mm-hmm. is is farming, isn't it? Like twelve thousand yeah. years ago, like that that whole idea of of yeah, planting seeds and growing them and and having it all in one place, trying to save time. 
I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? Instead of like trying to find your food, you literally grow it next to you. Make it, make it. And then when you make it, oh, all of a sudden, we may as well build a little town while we're here. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, let's let's build a little place where we can all gather and you know off, off we go yeah now at some point they must have realized obviously there's the sun mm-hmm. that's a pretty big one yeah and obviously that definitely affects your farm <laughs> definitely <laughs> and definitely. and the moon probably affects your farm as well and they must have thought you know there's the sun and the moon the weird thing about the sun and the moon is they appear to be the same size now, for me, if anything, that kind of chucks you off the trail a little bit about what those things are, because mm-hmm. you might, you might, you know, you might think that they're similar objects. And why wouldn't you? They, like, no, why wouldn't you? You just no idea what they are. Where do where do you start to break down what these things are? You know, it's easy for us because we're brought up with that knowledge. You know, like, I can't remember when I knew what the sun and the moon were because i i learned it at such an early age exactly but imagine imagine not knowing what they are mm. and then shooting stars you would have seen shooting stars all the time remember there's no light pollution oh the you stars have must com- have been amazing back then imagine yeah and and comets yeah and ast- you know like i said asteroid strikes and things like that and you would just say what are these things you know at some point been- as well there would have been maybe a supernova or two hmm Oh, now, so here's the thing. So at some point, someone must have said, I wonder how long this goes on for, this this flat land. And, and the fact is, there is no way you can tell that the Earth is not flat when you're standing on it, right? Right, absolutely. As, as in, why would you think any any different? Like, you look around, you're not moving, you don't feel like you're moving, you know what it feels like to be moving, particularly if you've ridden a horse or whatever, and, and it's like, so you know what it's like to feel like you're moving, you're not moving, everything looks flat, you know, you can walk up hills and downhills, but no direction is harder than the other on average, it's not like if I walk south and then walk back north, it's, it's not like it's, on average, it's different, so you just have the feeling that the earth is flat and eventually you will walk and you'll find sea. Yeah. So I, I guess like the real, the real thing to think of is that obviously you've seen things floating in water. Maybe that the land on you, that you live on just floats in a infinite sea, a yeah. sea that just goes on forever. You're just this disc of land that's afloat on, on a vast ocean. Yeah. Imagine the sort of explorers at the time would just find that sea and then hopefully if they found their way back to the town, they would be like, I, I found it, got to the end. <laughs> and then, <laughs> there we go. And I'm going to go that way now and see what's up there. <laughs> yeah. I and, <laughs> Now, but, now, so if you're travelling a lot and and you've got this, you know, say the Greeks have now got a country that stretches a long distance. Yeah. And so, you know, you can trade and you can go to these different places. Now, some of these clever Greeks, and remember they're entirely attached to the night sky, probably everyone has a knowledge, and you know, a really kind of innate knowledge of the night sky, something that feels very connected. Now, the Greeks would have been wandering around their vast territory, going to various ports, doing trade and stuff like that. And some of them would notice, for example, that the pole star in various different cities in Greece Mm. would have been at a different uh, altitude. Right. So that it would have looked out and it's like, that's funny. Like, Mm. when I'm at so-and-so, it's 14 degrees above the horizon. But when I'm here, it's 16 degrees above the horizon. Now, that is odd, right? You must think... Oh, yeah. I wonder why that is, right? So there's one kind of thing that they might start thinking about and going, oh, that's a bit odd. Yeah. So that's just a little clue, a little clue. But I don't know how far you'd take it at that point. You just go, oh, that's odd. <laughs> yeah. then, then, then you would have had people that, that actually braved going out into, into this vast ocean to see if they, you know, how far that went. And, you know, even in Homer's Odyssey, which is, you know, written 1,000 years B- BC, you've got mention of, of people being on the rigging and being able to see land before people on the boat. 
So when you're sort of being taken up by a large swell, you can see land, but when you go back down, you can't. Ah. Now, the explanation, now, the explanation for that is, is that it's over some kind of curved horizon. But, you know, even, even then you must have realised that water sort of lays flat, that, that it, it sort of just goes flat. Yeah, and, there's no, there's, know, apart it, from it, the it, waves, there's no water mountains, is there? Yeah, no, it, 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 it becomes flat. Um, so, yeah, that, that is, that's odd. Mm-hmm. And then you would have got Phoenician sailors that, that uh, apparently there's, you know, there's note of them going round um, the coast of Africa and the sun would be coming up in a different place. You know, normally it would rise in the east or the west. You know, rise in the west. It rises. It rises in the east, sets in the west. Rises in the east, sets in the west. Right. So there we go. Yeah. But suddenly it, it's like it's coming up in the north because mm. they're sort of going around this globe. But of course, they just don't understand it. Mm. That's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Now here is a mind-blowing thought. Like about six hundred years BC. Okay. There's this guy called. Anaximander. Anaximander. Great right. name, that's like a portmanteau of several other names. <laughs> yeah, An- Anaximander. Yeah. Anaximander. Now, Anaximander had this realization that instead of the Earth being like a floating, you know, just something on a vast ocean with nothing underneath it. Yeah. What if the Earth floats freely? It's just floating freely without falling. And it isn't resting on something. It's it's just floating freely. Now, it it sounds like it's trivial, but mm. Karl Popper, one of the you know the one of the people that kind of helps define the scientific method, describes it as one of the boldest, most revolutionary, and most portentous ideas in the whole history of human thinking. Amazing, and it really well, is. And, yeah, it really is. You know, it's it, it may even be the first scientific thought. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, and because you can test it a little bit. Um, but what that does, it allows you to think of the Earth as as things going underneath it. Mm. So instead of the sun just disappearing, it can now be going around, and and it disappears because it's beneath you going on a journey beneath you. Wow. Right. And the same with the moon. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wow, they're, they're objects that are orbiting the Earth. They're going around the Earth and it, they're going underneath and coming back up again. Now, obviously they were wrong because we're orbiting the sun. However, because you know, obviously that's going to be difficult because you've got to unpick this idea that the, the Earth is spinning and it's orbiting. Well, again, we're talking is... about we're talking about sort of a big leap forward here, and we're still we have absolutely no reason to 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 think that we could be orbiting around the sun because again, to us, the sun is exactly the same place as the moon. It's about the same size as we were saying before. So we we have no idea of the sun's size, mass, distance, or anything like that. So that's fine. You've made a good step there. It's enough for now, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, you've done a good good thing there. We'll get to that bit later. Well in, lads. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and of course, so uh, Pythagoras and a couple of the other Greek philosophers around that sort of time actually started to talk about the Earth being spherical. Right. And one of their, one of their sort of clues was that the terminator of the moon... You know, in the way you know the way that you have a crescent on the moon, yeah, that shows that the moon must be a sphere, or certainly, almost certainly, is a sphere. The way that the light shines on it, and you know, they're working out that it is a light shining on a spherical object up in the up in the sky. Now, that's that's pretty cool. So they they mm-hmm. they then sort of say, well, if the moon's spherical, why not why not the Earth? Yeah, and then. You got a little bit of time later, 500 BC or something like that. There's a guy called Anax Anaxagoras. Ooh, another cool name. Yeah, Anaxagoras, and he basically notices that the Earth's shadow on the Moon during a lunar eclipse 
shows that the Earth is round. Yeah. You actually see that uh, it's round. It doesn't show that it's spherical, but it certainly shows that each time, each time the Earth goes in front of the sun and is, and is casting a shadow on the moon, it just so happens that the disc is in the right shape. You never see it. You never see a line or anything like that, which is yeah. quite funny when or you tell. So, <laughs> so it's quite so it's quite likely that it is a sphere. So Anaxagoras, it, it does make a bit of a leap there. So mm. this is five hundred BC. Now, at that point, Plato and and the Greek philosophers, they basically just talk about spherical Earth all the time. But they mm. don't say why. But clearly, that is now the modern thinking of their age—that the the Earth is a, a sphere. Yeah. You know that that you know we're talking one thousand, you know, four hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Sorry, two thousand four hundred years say, ago. Yeah, we, two, you know, we're talking. Yeah. So this is how far you know, behind. This is about how far behind flat Earthers are. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> th- th- but the thing is that there is this kind of it is a slow build of knowledge, isn't it? And you can understand that if you don't build up each little bit and kind of go, well, how does, you know, how do we explain this? How do we explain that? You think how long it takes from that point hmm. to get to the fact that the Earth is orbiting the sun. Yeah. You know, it's it's like it it takes an enormous leap of imagination to get to that point. Yeah. Uh, and then everything falls into place because you've got all these other bits of evidence that you've been amassing. And then suddenly all the jigsaw pieces fit. And it's just like, oh wow. And that that's that's why I love science, because you've got this you've got this building up of data and you just can't work it out. And it's it is like a jigsaw puzzle. And then just this one piece goes in the right place and then suddenly everything falls into place. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously then you get the 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 with this type of thing as well, the the oppression of the of the sort of the, the the sort of thought thinking of the day, the general thinking of the day, as 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 things go on, it's like, oh, hang on a minute, this challenges sort of God and stuff like that. So that that's kind of yeah. coming along later, isn't it? So it, it's the it's the jigsaws fitting into place, but it also like they were massively punks as well because they really had to sort of battle against the the um the, the actual thinking of the day, and it was quite dangerous as well. Hmm. But well, we'll get no, to that. Abso- we'll get to that. I think I don't. I think I've, I've leaped ahead a little bit there in the in the in the journey. Well, Sorry. <laughs> well no. I, but I, I think that's a really interesting point to pick up now because it, it's clear that the Greeks weren't particularly bogged down with with religious mm. or you know or dogma, weren't they? They 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 truly had a um, a sort of open scientific mindset somehow. Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's why that I guess they made so many amazing <laughs> leaps forward. I mean, there was a load of nonsense going on at the time as well. You yeah, know, they course. believed in per- perfect shapes and all those kind of things. But uh, and and sometimes that delayed things I- immensely. But in fact, when they did give in to dogma, it, it delayed it delayed human discovery. And, of course, and, and, it, and instead of instead of going, it's got to fit with with the data. It's like no, it doesn't have to fit with the data. We just have to come up with a story that fits the data. It's like no, that's not the way of doing it. But mm. you know, thought itself and the way that you conduct experiments, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is also a discovery. It's not something that we're born with. You know, these things have to be discovered. Yeah, the scientific method has has to be discovered in a way, and we're just not there yet. And you know, the, even the Greeks weren't there yet. So it is, you know, that 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 is really fascinating in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. So where you've got a, a society that is free to think, and I mean, we had literally the the, the beginnings of philosophy, um, mm. then things move forward at a better pace than when there's a, a dogma sort of trying to control. Mm. Now Aristotle was totally on it basically. He he noticed that you couldn't see stars in Egypt, that the ones that you could see in Europe. Yeah. So he thought about that. He he had already already taken on board that the fact that the earth was almost certainly a sphere like the moon. He he reasoned that the moon's, you know, the moon its shadow was round and and the crescent showed that it was a sphere and that the earth's shadow on the moon was showed that it was a sphere so he was really pretty convinced yeah um 
And he decided that the reason why the bodies were spherical, and this is a massively brilliant piece of thinking, is that everything is pushing to a central point, to the mm. centre of the earth. Ah. Which, which for him was the centre of the universe. And so everything is pointing to this, everything is being pushed down to this central point, almost like there's a black hole at the centre of the earth, which which in some ways there kind of is. A, there's know, a mass. gravitational yeah. pull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but obviously they're nowhere near getting to that no. level of thought yet. But I mean, that's a pretty big leap towards that thought, though, isn't it? That it's the whole huge. idea that everything's pushing down to this central point yeah. which is amazing and then everything else is is moving around in shells above us including the sun moon and stars that are all on these shells that that are also being pushed down to this point but for some reason are being held in a kind of shell around us right uh and so you know that is that's a pretty big jump Right, huge, yeah, right there, absolutely right? enormous, it's, yeah, it's huge. amazing. And Archimedes, I mean, the reason why these names are famous, I guess, is because the, these really are the Newtons and the Einsteins, etc., of their time, definitely, to say the least. So Archimedes also suggested that fluids weren't flat when they were resting, that they actually were part of a surface of a sphere. It's just that that sphere was so enormous you couldn't see it. But if if you could step away, you would see that the surface of any fluid at rest is the surface of a sphere, which where the centre is the same as that of the Earth. Good. That's Archimedes me. saying that. Yeah. And you think, oh, my God. So <laughs> oh, my point. God, that's amazing. So... There, I mean, at that point, the, the spherical Earth is is very, very, very much like, yeah, this is this is what it is. This <laughs> yeah. is what it is. Yeah, uh, and because there's so many little bits of evidence, and it all kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, and obviously, famously, Aristophanes, um, in two two seven six one nine four BC, mm -hmm. you know, thereabouts, a couple of hundred years BC. Um, he he is able to actually try and work out how big this circumference is of the Earth. You know how you know everyone's talking about the Earth being a sphere. Well, Aristophanes thinks Aristophanes thinks. Well, I wonder how big that sphere is. You know, what's the <laughs> circumference? Yeah, uh, and so he comes up with this absolutely genius method of trying to work it out. And so he he knows what he knows when noon is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 and what he so what he does is, well, well uh, uh, Carl Sagan does this extremely well. Like from the series Cosmos, Carl Sagan uh, shows the Aristophanes um, experiment extremely well, and there's yeah. loads of YouTube videos about it. And you can also but read a, in, a brief history of almost everything by Bill Bryson, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great book. That is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's basically he he realised that I'll go into why he thinks that the sunlight is parallel because mm. he he realises that the distance to the sun must be so far that the light rays are going to be parallel, so that's not going to affect this particular experiment. But if you have poles in the ground at noon in different parts of Egypt. So there's Syene and Alexandria is where he did it. Yeah. And he knew the distances between those points. He got someone literally to march those distances out mm -hmm. and then measured the angle of the light at each of those poles at noon. Right. And it turned out that he was able then to sort of work out what chunk of the radius of the Earth that must be. And then worked out, um, you know, <laughs> the the full circumference of the of the Earth. Smart cookie. It is a smart cookie. Now, there is. It's really hard, actually, the the uh, of saying how accurate he was because mm. there's a <laughs> there's quite a few things. Um, there's quite a few things that 
that we don't really know because he he either says it's four million stadia or eight hundred and four million stadia, but there's a disagreement about the translation <laughs> right. of what he's actually said. Then there's also a disagreement about what a stadia is. You know how 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 far is it? Yeah. Now, if you're really kind to Aristophanes and say and take the eight hundred and four million. Uh, version and then take a version of the stadia that works as well yeah there's you know he he could actually have been spot on (laughs) with uh, (laughs) but basically 804 million stadia is is between 126 million 168 million kilometers okay and it's approximately 150 kilometers so it's it's within that range so he's pretty he's pretty accurately got the circumference of the earth right Amazing, but uh, you know, we have to be kind to him to make that make that fifth though. Oh yeah, you 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 do you d- you genuinely do. But the the actual reality is, his method is totally sound, and you could you could do that same experiment today if you wanted. And of course, you could do it more accurately because you've got clocks and things like that to um, measure the time, and you've got probably more accurate equipment to measure the angle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you could do that. Very simple experiment yourself. Yeah, and, uh, and and like you could have someone on the on on a mobile phone, and talk to them and say, "What's your angle now?" So you wouldn't even have to rely on clocks. Yeah, you could just me- you could just measure that angle, and it's really easy trigonometry to to get you there. Yeah, yeah. But what it. we sh- what we what we shouldn't skirt over is why. Um, Aristophanes thought that the sun was far enough away that the lines are parallel because this is mega important. I mean, this completely trounces the flat Earth model. If ever there, you know, if I, I can't see how you can get round this. Mm. Um, so we know that the sun and moon are going round us once a day, right? Yeah, you know that that's <laughs> literally unchanging. That the sun goes round us once a day, uh, and. And you you can basically you know you you and the moon does you know as the Earth rotates underneath it they go they both go round yeah um, now the moon the size of the moon doesn't change you can hold up an object at arm's length the same object and it just covers the moon and it will always be like that even though sometimes the moon looks massive on the horizon and looks tiny up in the sky yeah when you actually measure its angular size i.e hold your arm at arm's length and 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 hold something that obscures it actually it's the same size the angular size is actually the same so the moon moon is always the same size right it doesn't change but not only does it cha- doesn't it change it doesn't matter where you view it from so you can be in Syene, you can be in alexandria you can be in papua new guinea and it, and the moon will always be the same size right yeah now for that for that to be the case uh, you've got to be near the centre of the moon's orbit. In other words, if if you're not near the centre of the Earth's orbit, if you're sort of, if you're slightly to the side, it's going to look bigger, right? And that is actually the case on Mars. So if you look up at, at Mars's moons, they are close enough that that yes, you would actually see a change in size of <laughs> Mars's moons as they orbit. Amazing. And, and, yeah, but the moon is so far away, you, you you know, you can't see it. You can't see that change because the distances on Earth, the thousands of miles that you could travel on Earth, are nothing compared to the 250,000 miles that it is to the moon. In other words, it barely makes a difference to the size of the moon. Sure. So that is a piece of killer evidence that the moon is a long 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 way away and where are we now what year are we we're still bc yeah we're still bc so you know <laughs> aristophanes has already you know a lot of people have already figured this out that the moon is a long 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 way away but aristophanes certainly has and has written about it mm. now how much further is the sun away well it must be further away still because the moon blocks the sun during an eclipse. Of course. You can you can measure the distance the relative distance to the sun with a bit of trigonometry in terms of looking at if for example you can 
the most famous way of trying to work out how far away the sun is is to use Venus because Venus is very very bright and you can you can track it a little bit mm. easier. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the motion of Venus relative to the sun, as as it as it orbits as you're looking at it, the, the Venus will get some distance away from the sun, but then it will stop and start to go back in again. Yeah. Right. And now if you accept that we're orbiting that we're all in orbit with each other. Um, then this, then just using simple trigonometry, you can work out that angle and work out how far away the sun is compared to how far away Venus is. And you can do the same with you can do the same with the moon. So you can kind of you're just using a bit of trigonometry work out just how much further the sun is. And, and you know when Aristophanes was in school going, Sir, why are we doing trigonometry? I'm never going to use this. And he was like, yeah. you'll use it. You will. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, you can kind of do this with Venus yourself. If you kind of, if you sit for a whole year and observe Venus, or maybe do it for five or six years, you know, this is the sort of thing people used to do. Yeah. And you'll notice that the angle that Venus gets away from the sun is only about 46 degrees it never goes above that right mm. so that is its greatest elongation away from the the sun and which means with a simple bit of maths you can work out that the sun venus distance is 72 percent of the sun earth distance so right. you can work out so you, you <laughs> you've got some indication of that so now if you find out how far away venus is you can work out how far away the how, how far away the sun is and you can work out how far away Venus is, for example. One of the ways is using solar eclipses. Yeah. So, uh, uh, sorry, the transit of Venus. So, as so, if you're using the transit of Venus, what happens is, if if one person stands on one part of the world and another person stands on another part of the world, as Venus enters the disk of the sun, you basically jot down the time, and then you can work out using parallax how far away Venus is, and it's very, very accurate. I think I remember reading about the uh, first attempts to do this, and a lot of them went pear-shaped because there was problems in... Oh, it's bloody difficult. ...travelling no, to those I mean, places, like, and people get held up, and unfortunately they didn't make it on time, so one person recorded it, the other person didn't manage to. It's like, the other person yeah. doesn't make it back because they die in, <laughs> on the journey. And, yeah, so... You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is this is you know this is in the great this is in the great time of European kind of dominance in the world as well, where yeah. you know the the massive sailing ships and people like Captain Cook, you know that that they're they're actually involved in thing in these kind of scientific missions. These were enormous endeavors of the day. Yeah, you know, this would have been, I guess, measuring the transit of Venus from different parts of the world was the Large Hadron Collider of its day. Definitely, yeah. You know, it was the scientific experiments of the day, and that you know the, it was pretty massive. Of course, it's it's much easier now because you can measure the distance to Venus by bouncing, ex, uh, by bouncing radar off it. Yeah, for example, and you can measure it very very accurately, and then <laughs> therefore you can work out how far away the sun is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Aristarchus, I believe, he tried to measure the distance, the angular separation of the sun and the moon. Uh, when the moon's half illuminated, the distance between Earth and Sun, and so you've got this, this again sort of piece of trigonometry where you can roughly work out how far away the Sun is compared to the moon. Uh, and even though his reasoning was correct, he managed to say it was 19 times further away. Of course, it's not. It's 390 times further away than the moon. Yeah, bit more. I mean, what what's it? What's frustrating about it is that. The sun and the sun and the moon look like the same size, and yeah. this has got to be one of the craziest cosmic coincidences ever. I totally agree. I mean, it's totally mental because it's it, it's almost confusing because you because you could you could easily think that there's a connection of why they're the same size, but they're not. It's just total coincidence. Yeah, the first coincidence that the moon will perfectly block the sun. In an eclipse, but at some point in human history, it was a lot closer, and some point in Earth's history, it was even closer still. And the tides yeah. would have come in hundreds of miles, and you know the, the the moon would have looked very very close, and and earthquakes all the time because the moon would be pulling up on the ground. So, 
you know, it's going to drift away at some point that we'll never have uh, proper solar eclipses again. Crazy. But how how magical is it that that Einstein's general relativity was kind of proved by the fact that you can see star stars behind the sun being bent around the sun. Yeah. And you can only do that during a solar eclipse. And you can only do that because it just so happens the moon is the right size to block out the sun. Like we've literally got this amazing laboratory because of this insane cosmic coincidence. Talking about peril though, that's another one because his scientists went to to Russia to do that and were actually captured. They were actually captured and imprisoned, weren't they? Because they thought they were spies. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, again, you know, this is one of the, some of the greatest, you know, scientific experiments of the day. And they, they, they seem like really mundane in a way now to us. But yeah. back then, you know, you're talking exploration and, and around the globe. And oh, it's just amazing. If you think like people like, like Darwin and people like that as well, you know, the, the discoveries. Oh, God. Yeah, the great age of exploration, isn't it? Really? Excellent, absolutely, yeah. And we're still in it. Well, I, I guess, we, well, hopefully we're in it when we go out into space, isn't yeah. it? This is like the, the great age of exploration of space and all the knowledge that that brings. You, it's just the knowledge that always comes your way if you if you explore. It's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. Aristophanes kind of worked out the distance of the sun and was able to work out that it must be, you know, the the light the light must be hitting us parallel and worked out the circumference of the earth now it's it's just it's just crazy isn't it that 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 people could still believe that the earth is flat after after all those kind of all those different sort of bits of evidence and it doesn't even stop there yeah it, it it's i mean we're we're not even in we're not even in sort of <laughs> ancient times we're, we're in super ancient times and not even like really old times yet with it with, with what people no, know already. no no <laughs> i mean of course that there is that annoying period where we seem to have lost all information back from this glorious age of the greeks yeah <laughs> and the yeah. greeks and the romans um but uh it, it's not the only way that you can measure the circumference of the earth of course mm-hmm um Poseidonius. 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 Yeah. Poseidonius. Poseidonius. We'll, we'll go with that. Poseidonius <laughs> calculated the Earth's <laughs> circumference by reference to a star called Canopus. Right. Uh, and you can see it on the horizon at Rhodes. Uh, and but when he was in Alexandria, it's seven and a half degrees above the horizon. Ah. Uh, and because you know the distance from Rhodes to Alexandria, you can then, again, just using simple trigonometry, um, work out that that must be 148th of the circle, because it's seven degrees. So you multiply the 5,000 stadia from Rhodes to Alexandria by 48, and that will give you 240 stadia for the circumference of the Earth, which isn't far off. Spot on. Yep, that's so, how you, you do know. it. That's how you do it. Posidonius shows them how it's done. Is it Cicero? Cicero and Cicero. Pliny. <clears throat> Cicero, and, Cicero, and I'm going to go with Pliny. They both uh, uh, casually refer to spherical Earth, and Ptolemy of make he actually makes maps of spherical Earth is uh, spherical Earth, and knows that he only knows about a quarter of the surface. Right. So he's he's fully aware of how big this thing is and how little. He actually knows, you know. Yeah. This knowledge has is now starting to sort of spread across the world, and the Indians hear about it, and you know that the Indians are highly skilled in astronomy at this point, but they haven't actually come up with this themselves, but they take on board this Greek spherical Earth idea and completely, um, completely use it and go, "Yep, <laughs> this is obviously right." There's yeah. so much evidence towards it. Christianity. Uh, spreads it as well you know the the the, the uh, christianity takes this idea of the of the spherical earth around with it the muslim world take it really seriously because you can't pray to mecca unless you know exactly what spot on a spherical earth you you're on yeah so it's a, it's another moment of uh, of of necessity for them which helps things yeah, move so, forward yeah yeah and uh, there's this guy called ibn hazam 
um, who noted that the sun is always vertical to a particular spot on Earth at any point. So someone somewhere, the sun is always directly above them, vertically up. Mm. And if that's the tr- if that's true, which it appears to be, then the Earth must be circular. Yeah, <laughs> there's no other ex- there's no other explanation for it. A little dive forward. There's a 12th century uh, explorer called Muhammad Al Idrisi, uh, Arab explorer who made maps, and he was a uh, Definitely, someone was important in this in this journey, but I've only just started learning about him, so I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> I'll look him up. It's really interesting how it takes so long, doesn't it, for for those first bits of knowledge to be scratched out? Yeah, it's like collecting data, isn't it? It's the data that's missing early on, and you just don't know what things are, and and you just need every now and then an individual or a group of individuals just has an insight that then sort of opens the flood doors for the next insight. Yeah. And the next one and the next one. Yeah, completely. And they come they 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 keep coming quicker and quicker and quicker until you get to our age where, you know, people are writing papers every day about crazy objects in space and black holes and and quasars and stuff like that. And you go, God, how much have we how much have we learnt since those days? And it all sort of Thanks to these insights by these various individuals, as you go through time, we live we live in a time of great privilege of knowledge, and you know, and even more so, like over the last twenty years, like we are so privileged with the knowledge that we have access to, um, and and I think it seems to be going the other way with a lot of people that they are rejecting that. And um, and that's where these sort of conspiracies lie, and the the sort of you know the the the, the flat earthers. Are, I mean, there's lots of other reasons why they join these communities, um, but I think it is some of it's down to like a, a overprivileged to have that information that people would have absolutely killed for a hundred years ago, and we have it and we don't want it. Well. I think the vast majority of us want it. I think okay, yeah, it. yeah. Maybe I'm being a bit, a bit meme there, but you know, the- I, it, it's it's really it's really easy to think that. I mean, all that's happened with flat earthers, and you know, those kind of other conspiracy thinking people is that they're able to find each other. Now, of course, then they can build up a little echo chamber, and then people might go, "Well, there's there's a whole group of people that believe that, so yeah. there must there might be something in it." Um, but it's just, I guess the story is more exciting in some ways to feel as though you know something that other people don't know, for example. Mm. But also there's a, there is a kind of lack of trust as well with authorities. You know, science sets itself up to be an authority and, it, and I don't think it should. Right. I think it should always show itself to just say, to be open to ideas and to always say, but this is the evidence and and this is why we believe this. It's a theory, and it might be proved wrong. But if it is proved wrong, it's not as wrong as the theory that came before it. And that and that's kind of where we were at right at the beginning with absolutely. Isaac it's, it's a great quote. It really is. Um, well, yeah, it's, it cuts to the heart of I think cuts to the heart of the problem of flat Earth. It's like people will say, oh, you know, Newton's Newton's laws of gravity weren't correct. They were proved to be wrong by Einstein. Therefore, what can we trust? And it's like, it's a different type of wrong. Yeah. You're not really understanding what that wrong, what by wrong, what, what it actually means. It's still part of the jigsaw puzzle that's leading to greater and greater insights. Yeah. Whereas flat earth doesn't lead to greater insights. It can only take you backwards to a time when you couldn't see these other bits of evidence and you didn't have these other insights. Now, if you're not going to trust the work of Ptolemy and <laughs> Aristotle, et cetera, et cetera, I can understand it. I can understand how you might have to kind of work it out for yourself. And it's a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult to work out that this, the Earth is a sphere, mm. you know, unless you trust the work of people that came before you. There's a great documentary, um, and, and I've, I forgot what it's called, but it is literally a documentary about flat earthers on Netflix. Um, and it it kind of kind of covers them quite you know sensitively you know it, it's not a you know it's they're not taking the Mickey out of them, but it is just sort of following them and 
and you know giving them that airtime to talk about you know why they think this and what they think and and it's just this great bit at the end spoiler alert where they're doing a version of the sort of Bedford level experiment that they, so they're they're out on a canal trying to trying to prove that the that the, the earth is flat and there's this moment where they're, they're shining a laser and there's a, there's a chap <laughs> holding a white card and he's going is it is 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 the laser hitting the card now and he's like no and then he goes move it up a little bit <laughs> And he moves it's it so up and he goes, is it? is it now? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and then it ends and it's just like, oh, uh, and they're going, does, we're going to have to rethink this. Like, there's a there's a several times where they, where they, instead of just accepting the results of the experiment, it's like, ah, the experiment must be wrong. Yeah, then. yeah. They, they even do it with that. They even do it with a gyroscope, don't they? Yeah. A very sophisticated gyroscope and it essentially <laughs> obviously comes out there's a reason that, the that they round. don't want yeah uh, but it's like <laughs> but the reason why it's doing that is because of some uh, cosmic energy i can't remember what it was some kind of ethereal energy and that they needed to stick it in a jade case or something it's like that special pleading to try and to, to 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 roll back on on it was just hilarious but you never know it's it's one of those things isn't it where where scientific breakthroughs sometimes are made by people not accepting uh, a certain experiments. Good points. Just... Good points. Yeah. Um, and you know, I should continue with the sort of sensitivity that that I think that documentary showed to uh, to to yeah. conspiracy theorists. And you know, there's one chap who talks about you know ridiculing them is only gonna like drive them further well, into it, the well. Yeah, world. it doesn't it it, it it doesn't work. But I mean, there are so many ways now in the modern world that we can see that the Earth you know, confirm the theories that the Earth is spherical yeah. or more spherical than it is flat. You know, and that's, you know, taking a rocket up into... Yeah, <laughs> You know, being, being one of the Apollo 8 astronauts or, you know, being on the International Space Station or or sending out a probe that takes pictures of, of the Earth, you know. Mm, there is the a problem with some of those as well, like, but which, that's to say, with conspiracy theories is that a lot of them believe that we don't have any of those things. Or have done any yes, of those I, but, yeah, but but that but that's what happens, isn't it? If if you fully commit yeah. to a to a that because that's that's the bit that's unscientific is to not have an open mind. Yeah, and, and they will accuse obviously us of not having an open mind, but you know it's it's have your have your mind open enough that your brain doesn't fall out. Yeah, and it's just like it, it, it's it's if you have to come up with a reason why a piece of evidence is isn't right and that reason is conspiratorial mm. you really should look at, at your core belief and say maybe i need to let that go and put a bit of trust that these other bits of evidence are actually correct and not conspiratorial because obviously everything just becomes part of the conspiracy yeah i think it? i generally found that you know with 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 uh, conspiracy theorists who I've met and also interact with online, you, they generally buy into them all. Um, and so it just becomes a sort of, you know, a race to the bottom in not just in flat earth, but in moon conspiracy, um, you know, all the way down to, in some cases, anti-Semitism, Holocaust denial and things like that. So it's, mm. it can actually be quite dangerous, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of reasons why people are, conspiratorial thinking mm. um and there there are a, a sort of range of them that are extremely dangerous <laughs> yeah definitely uh, well, but, we're but, on. But, i mean literally the 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 the, the q on shaman has been um convicted hasn't he this week mm. um and they've shown him to be to now have denounced q on um and the its theories um uh, but uh, his basically his lawyers saying that he has some serious mental health problems um yeah. but yeah i think i think that i think the capital riots were really a a, a a sort of pinnacle of this thinking um mm. and i'm hoping that that's a tide that's sort of now receding let's hope yeah i mean it's definitely linked to social media isn't it somehow yeah. and and it's linked to uh you know but social media is new and maybe we'll We'll, we'll learn to cope with it a little bit better. Definitely. And, and also, you know, that, that also the QAnon rights was also a combination of not just that thinking, but also having a, a figure of authority who was certainly not discouraging that behavior as well. Yeah. So he was empowering them. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just madness to think back of the last year. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, yep, yep. How can anyway. how can we continue to prove that the Earth is? more spherical than flat. <laughs> well, I, I, I think one of the, e- do you know what? I actually think one of the easiest ways to do it is to be in a city that has lots of high rise buildings mm. because you can see sunlight on windows of high rise buildings. Yeah. Minute minutes before you can see the sunrise. In other words, if you're at the top of those buildings, you can see the sunrise. Now, how, how do you explain that with a flat, flat model? Well, you, you, just, you make it work. Right? You, you, you make your model work to to to, to fit the. Uh, uh, it's just boy. it's nuts. So, so I think you know, the fact is I can watch. You know, I, I've, I'm really fortunate that I'm on the coast and I can see some beautiful sunsets pretty much every day. Yeah, and I watch the disc of the sun go down below the horizon, and it's clearly the disc of the sun. It's not. It's not a. It's not the sun going so far away. I can't see it. Mm. It's literally going beneath us yeah and and you you can you can literally physically see it and i don't it's it's pretty obvious yeah <laughs> that, that 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 you know i, I don't you know it's it, i see it with my own eyes so i i it, it's but I, I think it's really fascinating how how it's a story it's a true story of of what it is to be human mm. no other animal could really come up with the fact that the earth is a sphere mm. it's just it's it's not possible and it's and it's through abstract thinking all those things that we had all all those 40,000 years ago in our caves learning how to think abstractly and and to paint yeah. and that that is the story of being human isn't it Amazing. we should embrace it truly truly yeah she wants to see one of my favorite um examples of of evidence for us is um um Brian Cox flying in a I'm gonna get this wrong. I think it's an F sixteen. Um and they're basically chasing the uh chasing the sunset. So and it, it was on his most recent series, but it was actually it was his most recent series was a look back on his previous ones, wasn't it? And it was really, mm. really good. But this is such a beautiful example where they're just travelling at the same speed as the earth is turning and they're just watching the sun never set. And it's just, it's absolutely wonderful. I think they speed up as well and the sun rises again. <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> absolutely amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, and of course, obviously, if you believe in rockets and space and probe, space probes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fairly obvious that, that the, the, you know, Noah have a, uh, a satellite that sits there looking at Earth as a little blue marble. Yeah. And you can go and you can go and look at that footage and 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 look at the photos that it's taking every day of the weather patterns and stuff. It's there. You can see it. Yeah. It's it's, it's a it's a sphere. Yeah. You can see it. It's not a surprise. <laughs> yeah. It's not a surprise <laughs> to know? anyone. Yeah. No. No. I'm not even sure that people do believe the Earth is flat. I think people might even just be liking it for the publicity. Yeah, I'd say that the influential figures, certainly in that documentary, which I really should remember the name of, but you guys can find it if you search, you know, Flat Earth and you'll you'll see it on Netflix. Uh, the influential figures, I don't believe for a minute that they believe it. You know, the, the, the sort of, there's a guy and a, a woman and they are just, they're just manipulators. They're, they're, definitely, they're, they're definitely taking the piss, those two. Yeah, without um, a doubt. Yeah. If you want to see a fantastic... A breakdown of a scientist talking to a flat earther. Mm. You should check out Scientist v Flat Earther on Lad Bible. I, I know the guy. You I might... know the. I know. I don't know the flat earther. I know the scientist. I know. <laughs> <You> him. But <laughs> <laughs> um, even my even my son's friends now call me Scientist Matt because of that video. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> you have to get that, that certificate that the the certificate that Lynn said she was going to get for you. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I do need that. I do need that. Right. <laughs> enough, enough. Enough. Chris, where, where should people go if they want to uh, learn a little bit more about Flat Earth? I might even stick the Lad Bible uh, video in the notes. Oh, yeah, drop it in. I want to watch it again. It's, it's been a while. I, and I'm going to go to interplanetary.org.uk to have a look at that. Boom. And then if you liked, if you like what we do here on the Interplanetary Podcast... Uh, why not nip over to patreon.com forward slash interplanetary and join the club and help support us because 
it is through the patrons that this keeps going and the patrons also get guests and everything else and are just the most awesome group of people what an amazing bunch insane it's just amazing absolutely amazing so shout out to to the current patrons and if you want to join us it's a lot of fun in the discord so many cool people in the discord much cooler than me (laughs) (laughs) me. so so i think that wraps it up we've we've been managed to talk for an hour about flat earth chris absolutely that's good enough and you know one of my favorite memes my favorite flat earth memes is that the earth couldn't be flat because if it was flat cats would have pushed everything off it by now (laughs) <laughs> so true that is so true <laughs> that's it take care mate don't fall bye off the edge bye 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 bye